KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. So I envision an opportunity that's growth in a positive way. that heals for a little bit this massive scar that runs through the entire neighborhood. From KPBS in San Diego, this is Freeway Exit. I'm Andrew Bowen. In this episode, we're talking with David Alvarez, a state assembly member representing San Diego County's South Bay communities. Alvarez is the chair of the Select Committee on Reconnecting Communities. We've talked about reconnecting communities on the podcast before. It's a federal program that's distributing grants for projects that stitch communities back together after they were divided by transportation infrastructure. Caltrans also launched a companion program to help projects in this state compete for those federal grants. Alvarez's committee just held its first meeting, which we'll talk about in a bit. But first, he shares how this issue of wanting society to atone for the sins of our freeway binge is deeply personal for him. More after a short break. Stay tuned. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota Dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places. Hi, Assemblymember. Oh my gosh, it's been a long time. It has been. (laughs) This is Freeway Exit. I'm Andrew Bowen. I met up with Assemblymember David Alvarez back in January outside a taco shop in Barrio Logan. This is the neighborhood where he grew up. It's southeast of downtown, sandwiched between the I-5 freeway and an industrialized segment of the San Diego Bayfront. He takes me down the street to a two-story white building with bright red trim. This is where Alvarez family all lived. My parents lived in a one-bedroom apartment upstairs with six kids. Are you the oldest? I'm the youngest of six, yeah. So the five others came with my parents as immigrants to this country. The house is it's about, what, uh, four feet raised from the sidewalk, and so there's a retaining wall. This wall was always graffitied. I mean, that's, that's all you ever saw. Now, that retaining wall is covered in a mural. So is the commercial building next door. The community has really trying to be been taking back a lot of public space, and a lot of property owners have um, embraced the idea of using art, public art in this case, to create a, a more vibrant neighborhood. Alvarez says when he was a kid, Barrio Logan was pretty quiet. Not in terms of noise, the freeway was never far away and you could always hear it, but quiet in terms of street life. The neighborhood was kind of hollowed out by the freeway. A lot of the homes were torn down to make way for I-5. Other homes that survived the freeway were still torn down years later and converted into junkyards and industrial uses. Between that, the freeway, and the shipbuilding industry on the waterfront, it's no wonder Barrio Logan suffers from some of the worst air quality in California. I remember exactly when my eyes were open to the situation that I was living in. It was middle school. I attended Memorial, right on the other side of the freeway, and I guess I was kind of interested in the 
math and science and there was a program that one of my teachers recommended me to it was a summer program and it was it took place at UCSD and so I was bused to La Jolla to uh, participate in this program. If you don't know San Diego, La Jolla is one of the city's wealthiest and most exclusive communities. One day during this summer program, all the kids took a field trip. They got on a bus and took the freeway to Barrio Logan. We exited into my neighborhood and I was like, oh, this is interesting. It was a little, um, I was surprised. I didn't say anything. I was just sitting there listening to the presenters. Um, A woman gets on the bus and she starts talking about that issue of kids who live here and families who live here who have asthma, who uh, live between polluters, people who are doing things that could harm children's health. And then she stops uh, at the property where I lived. And she points to master plating, which is a roughly 50 feet tall warehousey building. Blue, I remember it still. It was dark blue at the bottom and a trim of light blue at the top with the words in black, master plating. And she said, this is one of the worst reasons why children here in this community are sick. They are doing things inside that factory or inside this building that is emitting a lot of toxics that are very bad for people's health. I had no idea. I knew there was a warehouse next to me. I knew that the, there was an exhaust vent, the fan, the exhaust of this warehouse, and everything that they did came out to literally my front yard. As Alvarez was processing this new and troubling information, a kid who was sitting next to him on the bus made a comment that is seared into his memory. He says these words, which I'll never forget. Why would anyone choose to live here? And that was like the lowest I think I've ever felt. I mean, even when I say them now, I feel like like really hurt by those words. And I um, obviously don't say anything because I'm actually at the moment really embarrassed. Like, are we dumb? Like, why are we so stupid? You know, all these things that you just, when you don't know, you just don't know, so you question yourself. And so that was when I first realized where I lived and the environment that I lived in. And, um, and it was really my entry into trying to do something different and better for the community that I grew up in. And it's, it's what laid my foundation to getting involved civically. Not ever thinking I'm going to run for office and change this, but thinking we have to do something about it. After decades of activism and pressure from the residents of Barrio Logan, the city of San Diego has started to plant the seeds of change here. Two years ago, it updated the zoning to prohibit any new industrial uses. And just last week, it went a step further. The city decided to phase out the existing industry as well. Businesses that are deemed harmful to public health have 15 years to redevelop their land into housing. After that, they'll have to either relocate or shut down. It was a huge win for environmental justice activists, and it could go a long way toward cleaning the air and improving the quality of life here. But the freeway, well, that's a much harder problem to solve. So tell us where we are now and and what we're looking at. So we are 
on National Avenue over this expansive uh, bridge, if you will, going over the five freeway, there were homes all over these 10 lanes of highway prior to this freeway being built, all the way down to Choyas Creek, which is a couple blocks away. So this is the sounds, you hear them day and night. I still live the equivalent of a block, three quarters of a block from the highway. You get used to it at night. It's almost like people now buy uh, trinkets and electronics to, to make noise, white noise at night. Uh, we have this natural white noise of, of cars um, every single day. And, and that's just the things you can hear. There's so much more you can't see. And that's where the real crisis of health uh, and the hospitalization of rates due to asthma and respiratory illnesses. We cannot see that unless you really look and do a deep dive into the data from our local health care providers. The section of I-5 that we're overlooking is where residents and the city are calling for a freeway lid. Back in episode six, we talked about how San Diego applied for a Reconnecting Communities grant to study that project's feasibility. But in the first round of applications, Barrio Logan's was not successful. They're still trying for it though. So the idea is, can we put a cap or a lid over this freeway and create green space, create create opportunities for housing, right? Uh, create opportunities specifically for affordable housing, for people who, um, you're never gonna bring back the people you took away, but to create um, a healthier environment perhaps not only to use the green space as a natural uh, protection, but the use of technology to capture perhaps emissions that are directly impacting. So I envision an opportunity that's growth in a positive way that heals for a little bit this massive scar that runs through the entire neighborhood. Coming up, I ask Alvarez what he thinks about putting tolls on freeways to help pay for freeway lids. And what does he think about decommissioning the 163 in Balboa Park? If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm guessing you're a new listener. So if that's the case, after this episode is over, I recommend going back and listening from episode one. More with David Alvarez after a short break. KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com. We're back with my interview with State Assemblymember David Alvarez. So we're talking about pollution, right? And I brought up to Alvarez that the pollution caused by the freeway doesn't come from the freeway itself. That's just a long strip of concrete. It comes from the cars. So would he be open to putting new tolls on the freeway to discourage driving on it and to keep some of those emissions out of Barrio Logan and then redirecting that revenue toward the freeway lid? He said he thinks the project needs a solid down payment first with money from the city, state, and federal governments. He also wants to explore commercial uses over the freeway that would help provide tax revenue to finance the project. 
He does not want his constituents to have to pay a toll. The idea of taxing, especially communities like this one that have been taxed, not with dollars, but in many other ways, uh, because of those decisions, is, first of all, not something that makes sense for a community that is still relatively low to middle income um, and that is struggling still. So that's not even something I'm considering. But I think going back to a previous answer of how much this is going to cost, like that's an answer that, 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 that we need. Without knowing that, you can't even plan or decide, do we want to go just you know, a section of this, which section makes most sense? Um, or can we be more expansive? And then there's a role to play. This is really my biggest call out and my biggest disappointment in San Diego to our philanthropic and civic leadership um, that, you know, decide to place their names on buildings, primarily in La Jolla and, you know, north of San Diego. But a lot of those places benefit from a workforce that comes from here and goes there. And so I hope that that community seriously looks at things that can be done in a creative way and play a role in helping erase these scars and these injustices that occurred many years ago. And I think there's more there as well. So as we are trying to shift commutes and, and transportation habits away from cars and into alternatives, I asked you, is, the, is our freeway network overbuilt? And it sounds like you think it is at least in San Diego. Is there a need to prune back the system? Like, we, let's say we're successful at reducing vehicle miles traveled and f we've got fewer cars on the road via any number of policies and, and projects. Does that open up an opportunity to take back some of the space that was taken from this community and you make it, you know, like a, a freeway lit is one thing, but we're not actually touching the lanes below. Right. So. However far into the future, however distant this, this might be, should we at least be talking about finding opportunities in, in specific areas to trim back the freeway network? I think, and again, I think I'm, I'm really um, either, you could say, biased or definitely influenced by this freeway system that was built here. And so when you ask that question, what I think about are these exits that are quite unsafe sometimes and and I would say perhaps those are likely areas that it would make sense let's not have a really dangerous exit that comes right at you when you least expect it right and so perhaps you know there's room there to trim in that way um, I don't know enough transportation is definitely not my expertise to say how we can manage that better in terms of the existing lanes once we get to the least vehicle miles traveled. I mean, the other thing to think about is if this is a play on ensuring greenhouse gas emission reduction and climate change, which it should be part of it, as we transition and you talk about looking like into the future, into vehicles that do not have emissions, what does that mean? Right? And I haven't really been part of a discussion to tell you I've got an idea what that could mean. but. If we're, if we're trying to solve that problem and we solve it through technology and advancing clean fleet and all of that, what is the next problem that we're trying to solve by trimming or reducing freeway systems? And, and that is where, to me, the lid comes into place because this is more about 
public infrastructure and creating good public use of public space. So the, the freeway that I hear the most about folks wanting to decommission is the 163 through Balboa Park. So like close off, you know, at, at the, maybe you'd have access points in Hillcrest and, and University Heights around there, but from that general area like Washington down to downtown, make it, wow. make it a park or make it a transit line, make it a pedestrian and bike wow. superhighway or whatever. Um, what do you think about that? That's the first time I've heard of that idea. I'm envisioning, you know, I, w- I take the 5 North and enter the 163 on that, en- on that entrance. And so what's the alternative route? Right, alternative route. Or when you're coming back, you know, what does that mean? And, you know, all these problems can be fixed. They just have to be well thought out. And so what is the alternative to that? And, and how do we terminate that freeway system, right? Because the termination of that is from people who are coming to work to downtown as a center of employment. And so all I say is if you're intrigued by the idea of the lid, I'm intrigued by the idea of closing the, the 163 there and, and seeing what the alternative is. So we've set a goal of net zero emissions by 2045. I looked it up, you actually voted for this bill that, that codified that into state law. The Air Resources Board has adopted a scoping plan, which basically sets out you know, the roadmap to get there. And they're looking at serious reductions in driving in the next decade. And so we're approaching this deadline. By all accounts, we're not acting fast enough. You know, we can't electrify all of these cars fast enough. So I guess the the big picture question is like, what is it going to require of us to meet this goal of net zero emissions And the city has its own goal of net zero even earlier? I mean, what is that going to take of us? And what might we have to sacrifice? I think I would challenge your statement, which is is not attributable to you, but that the Air Resources Board has some sort of plan to get us there. These goals continue to be goals. And until you have plans that you are willing to execute, you're not going to achieve that. I mean, to your point, what is it going to take? And you're asking that because we really don't have a plan. I think one of the things it has to take is the state having more accountability on itself and on our cities. I don't think the accountability is in place for us to reach that. And so what is that accountability remains to be seen. They are still, I believe, goals, and I believe they are still aspirational goals. And it's good to have them because we have movement in the right direction. But if we want to act with the urgency that we all think we need to, that means being more precise about how we're going to get there. And I think that is the work that the legislature needs to do in the next several years, and obviously that uh, the administration needs support as well. Hello, everybody. Good afternoon. So I mentioned at the start of this episode, Assemblymember Alvarez is chairing the new Select Committee on Reconnecting Communities. The inaugural meeting was held in Barrio Logan on December 8th. This is the first of a series of hearings that we will be hosting. The intent, my intent with this committee hearing is to, uh, at the end, uh, we don't just meet to meet, we meet to create uh, solutions. That's what our role is in the legislature. And I hope that at the end of our series of committees over the next couple of months, we will have some policy 
decisions to make and some uh, introduction of policy to make to the legislature and go through that legislative process with hearings and with uh, more public testimony to make those policies hopefully into reality. The meeting was three hours, so I'll just give you the highlights. A professor from UCLA talked about his research into the impacts of freeways on neighborhood demographics. A local civic group called San Diego Commons presented its vision for freeway lids in and around downtown San Diego. There was a presentation from the outgoing Caltrans district director in San Diego, Gustavo Liarda, who was featured in an earlier episode. He talked about what the agency is doing around reconnecting communities. Overall, it was a really interesting introductory discussion to the social and environmental damage that freeways have caused, and ways to repair that damage. The most interesting part for me, though, came at the very end, when the mic was opened for public testimony. It was something of a reality check. Here's Rob Quigley, a local architect. It's been my observation that one of the reasons these projects don't proceed or get accomplished is that they're long-term and election cycles are short-term. And so I think it would be wonderful if your committee could creatively think of some ways to bridge that gap. Janice Luna Reynoso also spoke. She's an activist in National City, a suburb to the south that was also divided by I-5 and suffers a lot of the same issues as Barrio Logan. She said environmental justice communities have gotten much better at working together and supporting each other. But she worries that with resources so scarce, that collaboration could be in jeopardy. So how do we figure out a way to continue to work collaboratively so that the benefits that are coming to the different freeways, the different disadvantaged areas, are not in competition with each other. I don't know if it's a bill, if it's asking for more funds, you know, just really encouraging the collaboration, the coalition building. Lastly, Ryan Miller is a graduate student at UC Davis who just happened to be visiting San Diego while this meeting was happening. He brought up the guest on our most recent episode, Jeannie Ward-Waller, the whistleblower who was fired from her executive-level position at Caltrans for speaking out against a freeway widening project outside Sacramento. There's amazing things happening at Caltrans, and I'm really happy to see that change. But I think there's a lot of institutional change that still needs to happen. And the cynical part of me worries that some of these projects that are going to be amazing might, in a sense, be used as kind of greenwashing or as kind of cover for Caltrans to continue to double down with their car dependence expansion, maybe in other parts of the state. Again, this was just the first meeting of Alvarez's Select Committee on Reconnecting Communities, the start of a conversation. And these points brought up by the public speakers are exactly what I'll be listening for as that conversation continues. Will freeway tolling a policy that could reduce vehicle travel and provide sustainable funding for reconnecting communities' projects, will it remain a third rail in San Diego and Sacramento politics? Will the legislature crack down on the elements within Caltrans that are still focused on widening freeways? Keep listening to this podcast to find out. Freeway Exit is produced by me, Andrew Bowen, and is edited by Brooke Ruth. 
This is our final episode of 2023, so I'll just take a brief moment to say how grateful I am for every one of you who listens. My goal with this podcast was to foster a conversation about the future of our freeways, and it's really, really exciting to see that conversation actually happening. So thank you for listening, and happy holidays. KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com.